0: All right. We are live back at it again. Uh, Grizz Nation. Uh, first of all, we want you to a rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts at. Uh, Angel is not here, but we have Josh Clicksby here with us, uh, our guru of basketball. Uh, Josh, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Better than me with all this snow, man, in Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. All right. it- I am, yeah, it's I'm, nice
1: here. It was uh, <laughs> sunny in 65 today. Oh,
0: gosh, dude. You're rubbing it in. Last podcast, we went into basketball. We we haven't had one for a while, guys. Uh, we are going to kind of recap uh, what has happened since our last podcast. We're going to be going over probably five games, and plus the recent Brawl game. Um, and then we're going to kind of give our thoughts and our opinions on – where we're going, you know, what this team looks like going into big sky conference tournament week. We only have three games left, man. This is the last week. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah. It went flies fast along because I was just looking at the, because big sky conference came out with the perspective conference tournament, you know, based upon where everybody's at right now. Yeah. And it, it was a little bit crazy to think really? about it because it was uh yeah, it was on Twitter today. But the okay. interesting thing was is I forgot that they had moved the whole conference tournament up. Yep. To where it actually starts on a weekend and not Monday. Yeah. Or actually la- last few years. It has started on Tuesday, I think, for the men. Yeah. And so
0: I mean, like Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday now that it starts on, right?
1: Well, oh, it ends. That's yeah. when it ends. It's yep. now midweek. And I think that was all to make sure. Um, that the big side conference got a prime TV slot yeah, for, uh, the conference tournament, which had been sort of their complaint in recent years is that it, they were always the last weekend of those two conference weeks. yeah, And it was always a Saturday night game yeah. and ESPN had gone more to the, well, we'll put you on ESPN news or ESPN you for the conference championship game, because we have, um, you know, ACC, SEC tournament games that we're going to show yeah. pretty much all day, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that type of deal. And so I, I just think it was a decision by the conference that, you know, we want to get seen. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that we're going to do this, we're going to change the 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 scope of the conference tournament just so that we can get, because now they're on two. ESPN two for the championship game. And it's, uh, I think it's like a seven or 8 PM mountain mountain tip or mountain tip. I think oh nice. if I was looking at, it, I could be wrong on that, but, <laughs> but, but it, but it's back in a, in a position where that championship game is going to be not in conflict with the whole host of other, you know, ACC, SEC type, you know, type deals. They'll get some good, Good eyeballs on, especially for people who list like watching, you know, conference tournament season.
0: Exactly. That is the best time of year. Hey guys, well, let's get into it. Let's start with the men first and then we'll we'll do the ladies after that. Um, you know, the last game that we talked about, I believe was the Portland State game. They are coming off probably their second worst um start of the big side conference, three and six. They beat Portland State to be four and six. And then uh, their next game, I believe, was UNC and then the NAU. So uh, that was an amazing week. Uh, If you have not watched those those games against UNC and uh, against uh, Northern Arizona, definitely go check them out. Just to watch uh, Moody uh, light it up, it was amazing. It was amazing to see him in those games go for like 52 points. Uh, really, really, really shoot it very well and basically will us to win in those games. Uh, UNC, we squeaked out a really close one with a 67-69 win, uh, which it was really weird because uh, one thing that I saw was we really didn't uh, – second-chance points were were bad. We We did not rebound really well. Uh, we got and that's every every game it seems like that, Josh, where we're getting out rebounded at least eight, nine, ten. But they had eleven offensive boards in that game, uh, which you know we had about I think seven or eight, but you know, they, they turned those into points, fourteen second chance points, which you know, I, I think we have a hard time doing in the, in that respect. So
1: yeah, I and I think this has just been again that sort of systemic issue that we've had for probably about four or five years now that um, our best post players aren't probably the best positional matchups to go get rebounds. Um, Deshaun Thomas plays away from the basket a lot. Um, Bannon is sort of the same deal is that Mm -hmm. you're on the wrong side, most commonly of where you're going to get those rebounds from. And so the, you know, in the way we play defense, it just doesn't lend to it. And yeah. you know, and as long as that, you know, that we keep doing what we're doing, which is that we're limiting shots, keeping teams in the mid to low 60s for the most part. You know, I, I think that that really, you know, in terms of the recipe, it it's going to have to be the recipe until either. Um, okay, you know, develops a little bit of an offensive game because he's a non-entity around the basket.
0: Man, I, I, but he's a
1: really, really good rebounder. And I think yeah. it's starting to it's it, he's a good defender, but it's really starting to pick up like yeah, there is a reason why he's a good rebounder, he's got yeah. really good sense as to where to be. Yeah. um, but he's just not in a in a position offensively a lot to go get those rebounds. So
0: he is a good plus-minus guy because he does bring some energy. Uh, You know that he's going to be – he's worth some fouls, (laughs) as you can say, and so it protects our bigs there too. But, uh, yeah, watching him, you know, they're not going for him down low, and, you know, he has a hard time right now, and I don't know if it's nerves, but catching the ball. And, you know, just looking at his arms and stuff, you wouldn't think he would have a hard time catching it. So I think it's just kind of nerves and getting kind of in the flow. Um, But we've got him for another year, I believe. Yeah. Um, And I I think, you know, we play better when we kind of have him in there at times. No, not all the time, but he he does give us some rebounding ability and defensive ability that kind of Mac Anderson did, which, you know, Mac is, I feel terrible with him that he's had to have his senior year kind of go like his junior year where he's just been through injury.
1: Yeah. And it's just that, it's just that chronic thing. I think with Mac Anderson, I yeah. think it's the same issue that he had last year. And, and so you just look at it that he can just give you minutes yeah. right now, but he's going to, it's going to be real hard for him to give you a lot of minutes. Yeah. And, and even against in the, in the, in the cat Grizz game, you know, that's sort of how it is right now. He's a body. Yeah. Um, Cause even before this year, I mean, he was a, I'm not going to call him a great offensive player, but he was at least serviceable when he was on the mm-hmm. floor. But yeah. he's not even that now because he yeah. just doesn't have – you can tell that he's he's struggling with lift. Yeah. You know, he's not getting off the floor nearly yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, he does. So, you know, I, that NAU game, uh, again, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that NAU team, I, that NAU team just scares me just because – they are a whole lot better than their record seems. Uh, And they've got some really good pieces on that team that are, I think will bode well for them down maybe in the conference tournament. Um, And they've had some games where it, it has been really close and they just have not come up on the right side of it.
1: I think again, you know, if there's a, team that's more snake bitten than the u of m was in close <laughs> games it would be northern arizona they are i think up until a couple of nights ago they were like uh one in you know one in some sort like one in ten in games under five points and they had yeah. lost a whole host of them they uh and that and i think the one that they won was the one that they went on basically essentially was a last second shot so yeah, it's <laughs> and but they have probably the best inside outside combo this side of what Montana State has in the conference yep. between Tout and Cone. Yeah, and and I so I think really they're not a team. I, I would like to see them on the other side of the bracket. Yes, because if they play well, they're going to be difficult because you know Jalen Co- Jalen Cone's a difficult guard. Yeah. Um. He's, he's a, he's a volume shooter. You know, it's sort of like the the guy that UNC had probably uh, four or five years ago that could go out and score 35 points a night type deal. Yeah. And yeah, I wouldn't want to see them on my side of the bracket at no. all. Um, you know, if I could avoid them because we don't seem to play very well against them no. and yeah but but they're a lot better than the record indicates that's a you know a, that's a sports cliche but i I do believe it's the case here, which is that you know that that northern Arizona's a lot a lot lot a lot better than what it what it what they show in terms of record
0: yeah northern Arizona they've had a uh during that game they are three for 16 so that kind of bode well for us which. You know, we were 11 of 23 from three point range, and that kind of saved us, right? The, yeah. the amount of three pointers that we got that game—they actually shot a higher field goal percentage than us. They shot, you know, only three three free throws, but 100 percent. We shot 40 percent, which was really, really weird. Um, <laughs> that that we shot 40 yeah. percent, um, and then you kind of had to look at volume there too as well. But uh, yeah, Anna Moody's scores. You know, 26 points again, 7 of 9, 3-point uh, field goal. We got re- out-rebounded again by 7. Uh, very close score from the last game. We beat them 67-66. So it was it was a crazy game, a uh, really good game. If you guys have not seen those, yeah, definitely go check those games out. Uh, really, really not, awesome to see us get some close games and actually come on the other side of that and win those games. And that kind of spurred us.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, it, it, both of those games, uh, the I have always this unsettled feeling when we play Northern Colorado because yeah. again, sort of the same boat that you know we just have guys, teams that we play re- against rather frequently that we just struggle putting away, and Northern Colorado's that,
0: <laughs> and
1: and but the but what I, what in both of those games, I mean, I felt like even, you know, under like two minutes to go that, you know, that we have a path forward, you know, it, it didn't feel like, you know, this sense of impending doom. It's like, okay, I think we know how to close out games. Yeah. Um, you know, the Northern Colorado game probably shouldn't have been as close, but again, you know, it's how we play against them, but you know,
0: and I it think, always seems like we yeah. have like a lead going into it where there's a time where we have a 10, 12 point lead. Oh. And if it's, if it's close in that five minute mark, you know, it's the, the other team's going to make it close. And so I don't know if that's just a, a, a head thing, if that's how we're play, if we just get in crunch time and we can't just get over that hump. But it seems like, and I, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like if there's a close game, you know, we've got to be, have a bigger lead to get through that.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a couple of things that, that sort of conspire to it, which is that, you know, in both the NAU and the UNC game, you have guy, you have guards for the opposition that are, you know, that in a, in a normal year, probably be in a conversation for, you know, you know, first team all conference. I think Jalen Cohn ends up being that guy, but um between Koontz and uh who's the other guy oh, uh, uh, connect
0: or whatever his name is yeah
1: between both of their their perimeter yeah. players you know y- you they played really good defense on both of those guys for yeah. three quarters of the game. Yeah, And so you know while a game felt a little bit in control, but you can't keep those guys down forever. Yeah. And and they started being more assertive. And, you know, so they started looking for their shots a little bit more. Uh, and I think that what that lends to is that when those teams finally decide to put the pedal down, you know, it changes a little bit of the complexion of the game um, in terms of how you defend it. Cause yeah. you know, it, the other, the other example is that Weaver State game. you know, you know, not to go too far forward in the schedule, exactly but, right. but that's sort of what happened, you know, it's like, Hey, we're gonna, we're going to take advantage of, you know, the matchup now, because we have to. yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately in the long run, I think that's a little bit why the games tighten up. I don't know why other teams, like I think Jalen Cohn should be shooting the ball, you know, 25 times a night, but he doesn't seem to do it until, you know, crunch time. I mean, that guy's (laughs) pure score. I mean, I anything inside of half court, I would feel pretty comfortable him shooting it, but that's just my opinion.
0: Exactly. You know, going up with that after those games, we're six and six we We're you know, we're feeling 500 there for the conference. We go to Idaho state, which, uh, kind of was nerve wracking with me because, you know, going into that game, we beat them by 30 going and playing there. I was like, Oh gosh, you know, are we looking, looking ahead because we had Weaver state the next game? Um, you know, we, it was a, it was a weird game. It yeah. was a, it was a low, like a, the same kind of amount of points that we are we were scoring right it was 69 61 we had a bigger lead like we've been talking about where you know it probably shouldn't have been that close um we shoot 55 percent from three point range 10 of 18 they shot horribly <laughs> three of 18 um you know we shoot pretty decently 83 percent from free throw they shot 85 we 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 You know, did really well with turnovers. When we had seven turnovers, they had 11. Uh, But again, you know, they out-rebounded us by 15. They got 12 12 second-chance points, and that kind of switched and kept them in that game. Yeah. And, you know, we we squeaked away. Martin, you know, stepped up that game, had 14 points, four rebounds, and really kind of saved us and kind of was a score for us that game. Well, and
1: I think the other part of it is, is that, you know, we don't have, like most of the teams in the conference, we don't have a classic big and, and I still don't think that that's in the pipeline unless we get a transfer and, you know, and what, what, uh, NAU and Idaho state both have in common is that they have these just absolute mammoth guys in the post, you know? And, you know, it, it, it causes a lot of problems, especially on the, you know, on the defensive end, when we're playing defense is that, you know, that you get some sort of an implicit advantage for being seven feet and you just bounce that ball around up there a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, and that. I just think they just, you know, in that game, it just, it's a little bit where the luck where the ball goes. Um, but at the same point, you know there's only so much you can do as a 6 foot 8 ga- a 6 foot 8 guy trying to box out that behemoth of a guy that Idaho State has and he's yeah. a good post
0: player. Yeah, he is. Um, he is. he really is a a really good post player. Uh, you know we go from that game we, we we get that game 7 and 6 going into this Weber State game where uh, a lot of talk on Twitter was, I don't know if you saw it, that they somebody put out the tiers and, uh, you know, Weber State was ahead of us and we were in like the last tier. And I just really felt like Weber State and Montana are very similar. You know, it, that game that they got against us at home was, that shouldn't have been that close in the first place.
1: Yeah.
0: And like that was a, a, a luck of a draw for them to get, to get a uh, a win, um, you know we hadn't. I know I don't think we had one at Weber State in like the last four or five years, I believe. Yeah, and yeah, that so, seems yeah, that seems about right. Yeah, and so going into that game, they have a beautiful arena, man. That, that thing. It did not. I, I, I checked how much, how many fans were there. They said six thousand fans. It did not look like six thousand fans were in that arena. Well,
1: it's 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 a large place. D yeah. Event centers probably, I think it seats ten, maybe eleven. You know, okay. and so it's you know, it it's outside of probably going and playing in Bozeman. Probably the most formidable environment you're going to see in the big sky conference for the Grizz, um, year in, year out, mostly because there's probably not a team in the conference that supports their program as well as Weber state does night in, night out. It's not been nearly as good in recent years, but still as good as they've been, you know, rather consistently over the last 20 years, you know, they should have a pretty good following and Utah is basketball mad. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, and they're, and all, you know, the big five colleges and four of the big, big four of the five colleges are all within 40 miles of each other. Yeah. In, in that Salt Lake City area. And they yeah. never have a problem with people going, like, oh, I'm just going to go to you, you, University of Utah games. No. And, and Weaver's always had a great following. And yeah. so getting wins there because um, we traditionally used to go in there right, back into the Tinkle, christoviak years was that was a little bit of a train wreck most years we get boat raced a lot we just yeah. go in there and not shoot well and lose by 15. Yeah. but we've played there under the cure most of the times we've been there i mean we've been relatively competitive yeah so yeah
0: well and that that game you, you know we come up with a win 74 69. Uh, we shoot the ball very well, 51 percent total. You know that Weaver State shot the ball very well too, 48 uh, percent. You know, I think again, you know, the three ball has been keeping us in in games. We shoot 56 percent from three point range. You know, we we turn over the ball 16 times, which is is it, 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 it doesn't even feel like these are forced turnovers. It's like us, you know, driven off our foot. Or just throwing lazy passes where you it looks like they're handing the ball to them and then just like hand it right to the other team. Um, but you know we really did really well, which was was really surprised me. I know we are you know bigger than them, but we out rebounded Weber State thirty three to twenty three uh, and had more offensive rebounds than they did, and that surprised me because they've got the. Uh, probably the MVP of the big side conference in Dylan Jones, but who's amazing.
1: Right. Yeah. And it, it was one of those games where I, I felt like, you know, especially you know, midway early second half, that this is Weber State's problem the last mm-hmm. couple of years is that um even before Ray left is that they have a tendency to be a little bit more some of their parts but they don't have a lot to support Jones. No. And and we effectively in that game took him out much of his offensive presence until about the last five minutes of the game, yep. which was sort of inexplicable to me. He didn't put up a lot of shots. Nope. Um, he wasn't taking them. And it it was one of those weird games where – I couldn't sort of figure out was what Weaver State was trying to do for about thirty five minutes of that game. It just yeah. didn't make a lot of uh, offensive sense considering where we know our problems are at. It was almost like, well, this is what's been working for us and we're just gonna continue to go in this direction. But you know, I you know, Weaver State is either really, really good this year or they are horrible. Yeah. Horrible. I mean, they got yeah. boat raced, absolutely ran out of the gym in Greeley. Yeah. and Greeley, And that doesn't make any sense. But then you consider the fact that before that Weaver got into that probably five to 10 game stretch where they were holding everybody in the low 50s. Um, if the game accelerates at all, they don't they don't seem to play very good defense. Yeah, And if they can't make shots on their end, they're not going to go down. And especially when they were getting a lot of misses in our game, they were not, I mean, it was one or two passes and we would have a clean look at three. And of course, you know, Moody just was outside of his mind. Um, It didn't matter where he was shooting. I mean, he could shoot that ball from Logan. It was going to go in on that night. So it, Yeah. but they didn't take advantage of Jones. I mean, he had his rebounds and it wasn't till late until they just started throwing up. All sorts of absurd stuff yeah. that that t- game tightened back up.
0: Well, you know, and we had, had a couple team. of
1: just really just like weird turnovers. Like, I think we had one off the foot, one that like hit, I think maybe, uh, okay's hands. Yeah. Um, and it was like, you, it just didn't make any sense. And it's like, oh, there goes the ball the other way. And it went suddenly from a 15 point game, suddenly it was seven. Yep and then they do they, then they couldn't literally couldn't miss yep. i mean you know uh uh martin had his hand up in the uh, cuz the, the their guard was just unbelievable not last probably you know 5 minutes he had yeah. three times it was completely full up and in his face and he was just shooting right over the top of it you know kudos for them to go in and then moody hits that
0: Well, and he had been shooting like 20% on the year as well from three-point range. And I was like, yeah, just like normal, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, have a a player, you know, shoot 20% on the year and then all of a sudden just like, oh, I can shoot this, right? Yeah. Just like like NBA three type threes where it's... Well,
1: and I think that's a little bit of the product of the situation too. They were down by 15 and they needed to get back into it. So you just don't think about it and you just shoot. (laughs) <laughs> it, it it would be like going into a rat ball game and you're like, well, I don't care because <laughs> yeah. there's no tension in it. And I think that's what sometimes loosens guys up yeah. is that I think the mentality is, well, we're way down and if we don't start making shots, there's just not any way we're going to stay in this game. So what yeah. ends up happening is I think what happened is that they just start shooting confidently because why? Because no if, they, if they start guessing on shots and you know, like, well, I'm going to shoot this, but maybe it's not one I'm fully committed to, you know, then those shots, you know, rim out sometimes because sometimes it's just the the mindset.
0: Well, and I think that what kind of helped us as well, and, you know, let me know if you agree with this, Josh, is the game that week they had played Montana State before us and they had, you know, boat raced them, which they beat them by, I think it was like 15, 16 points. Yeah. Um, so could, you know, you know, their tired legs be a part of that? Because that was a, that was a big game. They, they, they're bit, Montana state is big. Uh, yeah. and you know, Weber state really isn't that kind of a team.
1: No. So, and I, and I think again, I think it's. Uh, the sort of the weird situation, the U of M's in this year, which is yeah. that I think teams, when you see us on paper you don't automatically get the assumption that we're going to, we're not going to out offense anybody in the classic sense. We're not going to go out and score 85 points. And when teams just commit to doing one or two things against us, you know, there's that idea that maybe we, we won't execute nearly as good. And I think what the difference is this year is that we have up until, I, I think it's been probably four or even five years that we've shot this well from three. Oh yeah. And 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 I think the biggest difference now is is that how teams have chosen to defend us especially with Bannon. Yeah. Which is that they they rotate all to the middle and away from him, which is you know why they started pulling him out of the post because he can't get that shot. Yep. The shot his, you know, his his preferred left-hand, you know, baby hook type deal, he can't yep. get it and he's forced to pass out of it. And so I think what's happened is that we shoot with so much more confidence, whether it's Vasquez, Moody, Thomas, is that when we're shooting in flow, we're not praying that that ball is going to go in. We feel pretty good about it going in. I mean, we're shooting it, you know, up until, you know, Saturday night, you know, we had been shooting at, you know, in the mid to mid to low forties for most of our last few games from three. And that is a, a stark difference than what we had been doing you know the last you know four or five years in uh in missoula with the people we had. we just couldn't shoot it
0: yeah well it just feels like also that we really didn't want to shoot threes the last couple years as as well that you know, I don't know if it was coaching staff or what, but the the three three ball was not a a a shot that was wanting to be shot during those those years as well.
1: Well, and I when you look at it and I made this point this point on Twitter mm-hmm. that and I think it's true, which is that when you look at the totality of the last two or three years, we didn't have guys who were in the flow three point shooters. Yeah, Um, that's definitely Moody. Moody is the best pure three guy we've had in in a good many years. And he can shoot in flow from anywhere on the floor. And it used to be we had to run, you know, guys through 18 picks and it was always last second and never early in the shot clock. And so it was just always a product of, well, this is our last preferred option and it's not that way this year because both yeah. both thomas and moody have all of the freedom to shoot early in the shot clock yeah and i think that's helped on how teams are defending us because now they have to they have to play a little bit tighter and it frees up ball movement yep. through the middle of the key which we've been getting now more consistently in the last four or five games
0: yeah yeah, we we come off that Weber State game, and we go into the. It felt like a a, a year, but it was only a week where we had a break up <laughs> for games. Going to that brawl game, you know, we 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 trying to get ourselves into better position where I believe we we're what eight and six or yeah eight and 6 right, right behind uh, Weber State, and kind of hoping our we're still hoping that we we get one of those. I believe four buys, right? Yeah. I think they changed it to four buys. I yeah. thought it was three like the last couple of years. Now it's four, um, where we're still hoping we get one of those. But, you know, this game, I it was ugly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we wind up losing 68 uh, 72. If you have not seen this game, definitely go watch it and see the, you're going to see a, a slow up game because of, of the refing a little bit. That, that MSU did get some some favorable calls, and it was just how they were calling them. And Josh and I were talking this before we actually went live. Is and Josh, you said it best: is is once you start making those calls, you can't really go back and start calling it a different way.
1: Yeah, and I think the the problem is is that like like I was telling you before is that in any given basketball game, there are anywhere between five and 10 different types of things that you could call on every possession that any team has. Yeah, And I I think functionally the issue, and this has been sort of my beef for Big Sky Conference basketball for about the last five to 10 years, is that there's no consistency week in, week out yeah. about how our conference is officiated. Yeah, Because we played a similar-ish game against Weber and Idaho state and the games moved along and there was flow and there was movement and Mm -hmm. there was none of that in the first half. And, you know, I've seen quite a few basketball games in my life and I'm not sure that I'd ever really seen a team shoot 26 free throws in the first half. No. And, you know, and the fact that you're you hold a team without a field goal for 10 minutes and yet they go into half with a like with nine-point point lead, lead nine is point lead, yeah. just absolutely astounding to me. Yeah. But again, you just sort of have to play with the hand you're dealt, but everything that happened in the first half of that game against Montana State played spectacularly into Montana State's hands, yeah. which is they are, let's play 90 feet one direction. We're going to keep them in front of us. It's almost like a... Uh, um prevent style defense there you're you you do not get access to the key they're not going to let you have it um no matter how hard you try um they have so much length and so when you just straighten that that shorten that game down to where you're only going from essentially they're allowed to set their defense every single time you're going to struggle against scoring against them that's why they're you know the second best team in the conference scoring points per game wise Yeah, You you just can't get access to the key and they defend so hard on the perimeter. And so when you have no flow to the game where you're not, you're not operating in truer space, you know, that, that game slowed down and could not have worked out better for Montana state. And, you know, and you give them credit. I mean, you know, they shot 26 free throws in the first half and they made what? 22 of them. Yeah. You yeah. know, including a guy in Osabor who's a 64% free throw shooter goes, what was, I think he was ended up, you know, 14 of 18 or something for the yeah, game. It was, it was so crazy. kudos to him. I mean, they they executed because if, if Montana state doesn't hit at 75% of their free throws during that game, you know, he you know, we're probably game. talking about a little bit different result, but it wasn't yeah. like a hack-a-shack philosophy here.
0: No, and I know Montana and Montana State, you know, they did a really good job of making sure that their their kind of ball was played. And they they were they were the more aggressive, but we were being aggressive. But the, how they were playing defense and getting into our guards, pressuring our guards and really making it uncomfortable. And you know, we helped them with the amount of turnovers yeah. that we just gave to them and the fast break points um that they got that we it was really weird because you look at like points in the paint we outscored them points in the paint 28 to 18 you know and you don't think that that's going to happen well they got a lot of their points off of the free throw line they didn't have to um you know the points off of turnovers was 11 to 18 11 to 18 and a lot of those turnover points were in that first half yeah where in that first probably 12 minute range where we were just giving them the ball yeah and they were going down and just laying it up um both teams had more personal fouls in the the game than baskets uh which montana state only had 17 made shots in the whole game
1: yeah and and I think what this comes down to is that, you know, you look at, you know, style of play, if, if Montana is going to beat Montana state, you know, it, and you look at both of the games that they played, we played Montana state's game that wh- whole way through that first game yeah. and still were fine. Our, you know, up until that, you know, the end of that game, we're in control. Yeah. You know, you felt, you know, we were within touching within, within distance to win that game. Yep. And then la- the, the the Saturday night game got away from us a little bit right after half as the flow picked up yep. and as the flow picked up, they made, you know, a couple more threes and suddenly we're out to, uh, you know, upwards of about a 14 point lead. But really after that, it was, we were clearly better when we were, cause we're a better transitional defensive team than Montana state is. Yeah. And we depend, we defend a lot better in flow um, where they don't have the ability to anchor their offense around getting the ball through Osabor or, or Bellow. And, and because they weren't able to do that nearly as effectively um, call it controlled chaos, whatever you want. You know, the second half started to look a lot better in our favor because they started missing shots and we were able to turn that and flip it down to go down in the other end of the floor. And they weren't able to set their defense nearly as effectively or quickly. And suddenly there was a lot more space on that floor to be had. Yeah, And so, you know, you know, it, it sort of comes to, you know, if Montana has to play at a game at a style against Montana state, we pretty much have an overwhelming sense of, well, here's what we know can't happen, which is, you know, because that's two and a half games really where they were allowed to, to to control the tempo a little bit. And it definitely favors them. I mean, if that game is played in the low 60s, Montana State wins that probably nine out of 10 times.
0: Yeah. one, you know, you look at just the three point. You know, we're shooting a lot more three-pointers in the last five games up to this point. We only shoot 13, only make five of them, which I thought, you know, we would have shot a lot more. You know, Deshaun Thomas got into foul trouble early, and I think that that was the Montana State's kind of uh, profile. is You get him out, then you've got one yeah. more, one of, one of the three heads that shoot it really, really well that you don't have to worry about. Um and this took him out of the game, which, you know, you can kind of look at those fouls and say, eh, those are kind of if he calls. Um, and you know, especially the, the the moody foul that he got that offensive foul just bugs me because he's coming off of a screen and coming around and 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 shooting it. Yeah, he does he does kick his legs, but he always kicks his legs a little little bit. Um which you could have called it both ways where he gets hit and makes it you should, could have called that a three-point play as well and n one um the, the and we talked about this too Josh is just the amount of offensive fouls that were called on us in that first half as well that just took it took us out of the game as well
1: yeah and i think really what it comes down to and this is just um you know, a general officiating critique more so than it is anything is that, you know, where are you getting your advantage from, you know, in, in in basketball, if it's a clear move, you know, and that was the only thing that I was just truly boggled by the moody call is there was no, there was no advantage from it. He didn't even really make contact with the guy. No. Especially when you like somebody else had shown a video on Twitter. I don't think he ever made contact with the guy.
0: Nope. Nope.
1: And, the guy was so on you're the anticipating a over. call, yeah. and and him sticking his leg out doesn't alter the fact that he had a clean look at three. Yep. And you're basically creating a situation based upon what you think yep. you see. a lot, a lot and, of those
0: a lot of those files were that too. They they guessed and they're like oh they're gonna they're gonna shoot this shot. They're gonna they're gonna call it right there, even if if they don't even see the the the, the yeah. touch or the.
1: And like I said, once the genie's out of the bottle, you've sort of made the conclusion that we're going to officiate this game because they all have the conversation. Yeah. Because it's it's what you do as a good official. You sit down with your guys in the room before the game and you start talking about how you think the game's going to play out and which is they're going to say, well, we we know that this game can be physical. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do X, Y, and Z, we have to have our eyes in the right place. And I don't like I said, I can't you can call the foul or you don't have to call the foul. Yeah. And but what I just it just makes it stylistically awful to watch. Yeah. And and that's more my complaint is that, you know, like I said, is that as long as that there's an equitable advantage, which is that for me, if you're gonna do the to the step in and then up, that initiating offensive contact shouldn't, unless it is blatantly altering the shot, that's you're rewarding, not necessarily, uh, and people use the word aggressive a lot. I'm not sure that it's aggressive. I think it is purposeful and tactical um, offensive basketball from Montana State's perspective. Yeah. And if they're going to be rewarded for it, then kudos. I keep going back to it and back to it and back to it. It it's just that they were rewarding in a sense and it wasn't it's not cheating or anything else. They were just getting rewarded for what is very simply a basketball move. Yeah. It wasn't because there was any more contact than what there was before. It was just simply that they were getting rewarded for making an intentional back basketball move to create contact yeah well you look at those and that's teams, my and that that was my issue
0: and if you look at those two, two uh at other conferences and and all over around the NCA are those calls being made and i i i've watched a lot of basketball i have not seen a offensive foul off of a guy shooting a shot where he he kicks out it, it, it might happen, but the amount of times that it happens is not. I have not seen as many offensive fouls that they called in that game where, yeah, there was like four, four like anywhere between four to six offensive fouls that were called us on us in that first half.
1: Yeah, and again, if this comes down to that, what what Montana State forces you to do offensively because they jump out so hard and yeah. defend that guy goes over the top of the pick a lot. They, yeah. they, they, and they don't hedge. They just fight through a lot of it. And so it gives you the impression, especially when you're running ball pick that that guy and a couple of them were legitimately moving screens, but it's where it's where it's happening, which is in most cases right in front of the official. which is that, you know, you're going to go out and set that pick on that guy. And the trick is you've got, they teach you to get uphill on that pick. And, but we weren't getting over the top of the pick to when he tries to run through that screen, he's able to slide over the top. So it gives the appearance that we're, it's a moving screen, which I don't know that it necessarily is, but it definitely looks like it. Mm -hmm. So and it's because of how they will fight over some of those screens rather than going under it. If he goes under it, they're never going to call that. Yeah. But if it goes over the top, it just looks like we're hanging our shoulder our knee out, and it and that's the impression it gives. Which, by the rule of the law, that it, it is what it appears. But they're yep. fighting so much over the top of that pick that you know, you know, that's one of those it happens. And yeah, it just it it it's it's I would call it more bad luck because I think you end up in games where that might be, you know, called maybe once or twice a game and other games, it might be called none and other games it might be called like in ours, which six or seven times a total.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and know, it the, is what it is. So, you yeah. know, you
1: just sort of have to deal with it and move on. It just, yep. it further in that first half, just further bogged the game down for us. Yeah. It, it turned it even slower and slower and slower. And you know, when shots were coming in a minimum in that environment, we had to take advantage of it, and we just didn't.
0: Well, and then you got to give the guys uh, credit, too, for bouncing back because they had a 10, 12-point lead. They bounce back. They make it a game, and they you know, we lose by four. Uh, but, you know, we're on to better things. We've got yep. this last week, man. Uh, here are the standings. If I'm going to uh, show this to everybody, if you can see that on YouTube, you know, uh, it's crazy that <laughs> eastern washington has not lost they're 15 and 0 and you've got montana state at 12 and 3 weaver state at 10 and 5 and then you know us at 8 and 7 and Sac state uh Sac state where did that, that that is just nuts that they are 6 and 9 and they have they have fallen from <laughs> the graces of of basketball lord it's crazy to see that kind of uh, momentum and that just that break in in the top four teams.
1: Well, it's sort of it's sort of pl- uh, parting out sort of way you yeah. had thought it might have, which yeah. is that I thought at the beginning of the era. I think still for me is just I thought Eastern would be okay. I didn't think they were going to be fifteen to zero and tied for the the best start in conference history. Yeah. You know that type that type of deal. Um, I didn't see that coming, um, but at the same point, you know, I feel like um, Montana State, Weaver State, Montana, and then maybe even Sacramento State are li- essentially, you know, teams that are have certain strengths and yeah. a lot of warts. And so I think that's why you see, you know, especially, you know, because we could just as easily be right now either, you know, six and 10 or ish or 12 and three. Oh yeah, definitely. So the, the margin between Weber state all the way down to probably Sac state or even Portland state, you know, we, uh, for me, they're interchangeable parts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think that after Montana state and Eastern, I, I'm not entirely sure that, you know, the, there's a clear cut, you know, here's the cream and everybody else. I just think for in the middle, it's just a lot of a lot of the same.
0: Well, and I, I think, you know, even though, you know, Eastern's 15 or now, I think they are beatable. They're not a team where you're, you're going to be like, oh, wow, they they have a lot of uh, – they don't have any holes. I think they do have some holes. I think they have done really well on the road, and they've done really well closing games out, right? Yeah. they played some close games as well, and they've just – They've just done what they do, right? Yeah. Um, and they've got an, a big advantage of, of their guys being so long uh, that it that creates a, a, a huge advantage. Then you know if they don't yeah. have their smallest guy is six six, yeah. Uh <laughs> it, it creates an advantage that no one else has.
1: Yeah. And I think what it what it comes down to is that they they're they're leaning into what they know they're yeah. good at, which is their one of the best perimeter shooting teams in the conference yep. and you can't go big with them um, because they're just going to beat you off the dribble. And they, like the, in our first game with them, you know, their six foot eight post player, yeah. you know, has, you know, a field day. yeah. And, and then, then that next game, it was a little bit of the inverse of that, which is that, you know, that was a, you know, a three to seven point game for most of it. Yep. And they just have well, too many guys that, you know, that all can make that shot yep. and they shoot so many threes. Yep. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm not sure that there's a team outside of maybe the U of M that shoots more
0: than, than the
1: Eastern does.
0: And, well, and they, and they make, the re- them. And make them, and if they don't, they get the rebound off of them as well, which yeah. that, that just kills your mentality. And and most of the time when you get a rebound off of a three-point basket, I, I know that I was taught you pass it back out to another three-point shot because they're not going to be looking for it, and most of the time you're going to be getting a better shot.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested to see, you know, on that, that Monday night game um, when, when Montana State goes and plays Eastern. Yeah, because I, I feel like um, stylistically um, Eastern didn't seem to struggle with them as much as other teams have. and I feel like, you know, maybe that there's a little bit of a different answer that that Montana State might have for them. Yeah, um, uh, because nobody else. I mean, very few teams have played them within, you know, within five points for much of the much of the conference season. And yeah. so it's just a matter of, you know, I don't, I, my guess is that, uh, they probably end up, you know, 17 and one. I, I think they, I think if there's a game they lose, it's going to be that, that Montana State game. Uh, yeah. And I'm right like just going the to, because it's, I think going. it's the third game of the week. Yeah. It's um, that
0: Monday. I'm trying yeah, to go into their schedule to see who they play this week. Um, because I, I, I don't see them. See them losing any any of the games except for that Monday, possibly that Monday game. But also, you know, they play Weber State. They play at Weber State, which might be a game, and then Idaho's at Idaho State, and then Montana State at home. Yeah, um, and so, so I feel
1: like you know, if we if we look at it, you know, we've got what one weekend left. You know, yeah. for me, you know, I I look at you know who Montana has to play.
0: Yep, I got that uh, they've right they
1: got two, two home games. Yep. And Portland State, for me, is still the weirder of the two matchups. That, yeah. But I think based upon how we've been playing lately and how we've been playing offensively, I think that game probably doesn't make me feel as weird about it because the last couple of years we've played Portland State or Sacramento State late in the year, and yeah. we just haven't played well.
0: Yeah. It'll and. be inter- it'll be interesting those games because I think Portland State is, is kind of a tricky one where they're they're a little bit more faster paced, you know they they they're pressuring us. Sacramento State they've got just that big guy, oh my gosh, in the middle, <laughs> and they just it, it, it's it's kind of a hard matchup there too. But and then you got to go Idaho and they've got some players there too. You know they haven't had a a, a very good season. But that's kind of leery too. Is you don't want to you don't want to go to Idaho and lose to one of the la- the you know
1: lesser yeah, teams and in I, the
0: Big Sky going into the Big Sky tournament.
1: Yeah, Idaho's got some problems, and yeah. if you know I you know I listened to uh, the the tubs of the club guy yeah. every once in a while, and they've all both said the same thing is that they've got two of the better rated players in the conference yeah, and yet one night they can be competitive with anybody and then they get blown out by Northern Arizona by 25. So, you know, I, I don't know how much longer clause lasts there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, they have enough talent to be a little bit more competitive than they have been. Um, it's a better matchup for us. Um, even though that, um, you know they've got uh what's his butt in the post, who's a, a really dang good basketball player, but yeah, you know, I feel like you know, in the way that those games work out, that's not the worst third game of three games in or you know, three games and five nights, yeah. Um, it's on the road, it'll be it's that new gym, you know, that they play at is yep. uh, uh, it's a really cool place. I mean, oh, yeah. I give them credit for that. I mean, they did a heck of a job on it, but I feel like. If you're looking at how you, you could end up the season, ideally, because you get the the two games, you know that they get the sack State at home, yep. And I feel like they' we'll play better against them here than than anything. And I feel yeah, like I so, that yeah. we could actually, in you know, end up you know winning what is it, seven of our last eight. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and the the schedule sets up. And oh yeah. I think we're pretty much at this point, unless, you know, Weaver State goes full meltdown, you know, I think we're pretty much locked into that four. And honestly, um, it's not the worst environment to be in, because I feel like – I actually feel like we match up a little bit better against Eastern Washington than we do Weber or Montana State, at least size and physicality-wise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I it just kinda you look at the you know, the schedule or the standings and you go, okay, well, if we're gonna be locked into that four range, we're gonna be playing probably either what, Sacramento State, Portland State, our first game. Because I think it's a four-five game, right? First. Yeah. And okay. then you play the number one team, I believe. Um I, I don't know, have the the bracket with me. But. Well, the
1: way that the way that they did it this year is that the one the one seed will play the 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 lowest remaining or whatever it is that oh, yeah. that low pair game on the the second night okay and then um then they get a day off oh okay and then because of how they've staggered the women's and the men's the tournament out. at least that's how i saw it and then they play then we would have to play as a four or five two nights in a row. Um, we would have to win three nights in a row essentially to win the conference tournament, whereas really Eastern and Montana State may only have to win two, two, yeah. Um, and I think they did that in part because the old format of three and four was mm-hmm. it was a, I mean, we're not rewarding. The first seed or the second seed, all that much by doing it the way they did it before, which was going to the what do they went Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah, and everybody followed that same format. So I think it's a little bit tweaked, um, to fit to try to get the thing done, um, by midweek, yeah, and because it starts on a Saturday or maybe a Sunday. And yeah, it
0: starts on March 4th, which is a Saturday and ends on a Wednesday. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, we've got two home games left guys Portland state, Sac state coming into this Thursday, Saturday. And then our last game is um, against Idaho on Monday. So definitely if you're in Missoula, definitely go support uh, the Grizz and go watch some games. Um, and then, you know, all these games, I think the big site tournament, except for the championship game are going to be on ESPN plus as well. So, uh, it's going to be nice for that reason too, is you can watch those games. <laughs> so I well, love, I, love the ESPN plus. This
1: is, this has been, you know, they're getting better and better with the production value. Yeah. Um, yep. of the games. Um, yep. and it, it's much, it's more accessible. And, yeah. and I appreciate that because it used to be like, uh, even when they had it uh, at a live site or at a a not at a neutral site, it was difficult to get access to those games that weren't. um, So the fact that these are now all televised and they're easily accessible on ESPN plus is uh, an added bonus.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, you you want to go into the women's and kind of do a brief uh, recap of the women's and Um, So I think the last time we talked to was uh, that same kind of schedule, which is, um, you know, they played Northern Colorado. uh, They wound up winning at Northern Colorado, 78 to 61, which, you know, that Northern Colorado team, bless their hearts, because they've had, I think, like nine, nine of their 10 players are are freshmen or sophomores. So they're they're a really young team. Um, And then Northern Arizona, that, that Northern Arizona team, I think, I know, hopefully I'm saying her name right, Lori Payne, I believe mm-hmm. is what her name is, really has that team. I'm really impressed by that Northern Arizona team, how how last year they kind of just made that jump, and this year they made that jump as well. Uh, we got an overtime victory there, um, and then we fall short um, in Ida, at Idaho State at home, uh, which if you have not seen that, uh, yeah, that's last second shot was
1: yeah.
0: horrible as well. Yeah.
1: It was abjectly <laughs> terrible. But again, I think you run into the same problem with uh with it, it, it's just the, you know, you just get frustrated by it. and when the big Side conference went to the consortium probably about 5 or 6 years ago, the whole hope was by going in with the Western Officials Association that they could get more. Um, quality. Uh, it's just how inconsistent this is. is yeah. That you know, and I think part of it is that our schedule is never going to change. This has been been for years a Thursday Saturday league. Yeah. And as long as it's a Thursday Saturday league, you're going to struggle getting, especially on Saturdays top tier officials. So you, you either make the argument, well, what let's, you know, so really what you look at, you know, what ends up happening is I think you have an environment where you have a lot of inexperience new to division one officiating. And I just think it, it just lends to an environment that it's inconsistent because the officials are not as experienced as seasoned because, you know, it's as, uh, someone had told me, you know, that, that Idaho state call that was pure anticipatory. <laughs> it was, was, they were just, they were, <laughs> they were feeling like, they, I mean, she was backpedaling away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Backpedaling away.
0: Yeah. Well, they and, didn't have a hand up, I believe.
1: Nope. Nope. She was getting the <laughs> heck out of there and she was playing straight up defense, yeah. um, and it was all offensively initiated contact. Yep. And and so, you know, like I said, you know, and you just could see the expression on everybody's face, like, oh yeah, this is oh, yeah. this is a little bit absurd. But you know, I don't I think part of what you've seen the last handful of games with the Lady Grizz is that um when those freshmen have freshman moments, yeah, they don't have somebody else to, you know, consistently pull them along. um Because, you know, G. Feller, who said today that she's going to take her COVID year and come back next year. Oh, did she say uh, that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I think one what you're noticing a little bit is that it's really clear that Stump and Kona can play.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It is. Well, the, this, um, this turnaround that they have made is basically because they put Koenig as the point the point, and had Mark uh, Gina come off, off the side uh, it in, you know, uh, Koenig basically has got them into these games and Libby stump all year has been amazing, but it's uh, Koenig has, the game has slowed down for her. Um, yes. I think also another, and, and sorry to jump in here, but another person on the team that has kind of, you know, jumped into the spotlight is uh danny uh danny barsic mm-hmm. uh which has you know you're, you're not going to look at her her stat line and be like wow she's really scoring right but no but she's giving that depth of where we need it and the earlier in the year we were getting killed inside because we are getting um uh keely burton oliver in foul trouble and g feller was getting in foul trouble and we had nobody right yeah and so Barsic Really gives us that other, um, you know, not to say big, but the other big presence in there that we can kind of rely on for those rebounds in that in, inside game. Uh, those three, and I think I think barsage is a freshman, right? She's from like Helena, isn't sophomore. she? Is she a She's sophomore? sophomore. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: and but, and so yeah, you look at it. Right. I think you know. I think again in in the way that that Idaho State game played out, and then mm-hmm. even to an extent of how that third quarter into the early part of the fourth quarter of the Montana State game played out is that they're still missing um and it'll get better next year because those girls especially those freshmen and sophomores will have an an added year of experience. Yeah. But the hope is, you know, that you get some more post presence because what lost them, you know, that the 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 cat grizz game yeah was they were just i mean bad bear had a night yeah and and it's because she just was so much she's so much more physical than anybody else we have down po- down low yep. and one of the one of the things is is that our best post defender is also our best offensive player yeah. technically and g feller. Yeah. and and so i think it just causes problems when you don't have that that other option to to take some because it really had been early on in the year really hurting G Feller's offensive game because she's had to work so hard defensively yep. and she's not getting the same type of looks not nearly as fluidly. And I think that's where where her presence, uh Barsic was that that is helped out a ton because yep. that she's able to take some of it. Yep, and she doesn't have to wear, or G Feller doesn't have to wear so much of that physical contact throughout most of the game.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and I don't know off the top of my head, but I know, you know, G Feller fouled out that game. It'd be interesting to see how many games she's fouled out this year. And I know that she's fouled out a lot of them, uh, which kind of probably made her want to come back and kind of have another senior season like the, the way she wants to. Um, it it just. Can, can we say that I'm just, I'm so tired and she's a great player, um, but Darian white, she's just one of those players that is, is the floor general. And, you know, I, I'm trying to give compliments here, here, but I just do not like watching her play against us because she's such a great talent. She just runs the floor, runs, runs that team really well. Um, hopefully I think she's a senior, right? I'm praying she's a senior this year. <laughs>
1: it I it, I think she might have if she does it she might have her COVID year. Oh man, dang COVID! So the and what they they've done really well, uh Montana state wise is that they really only have when it came down they after all of those girls they lost last year they only had Bad Bear and White yep. left. Yep. and what they've really done is that they've made everything offensively move through. Darian white. Yep. And then at the same point, it's made everybody on the perimeter that much better because yeah, well, I wouldn't
0: indeed, have Deedon has gotten, has had a good year this year. Yeah. Well, and I year wouldn't year have well. given
1: you, uh, you know, and this goes to the, you know, would they have two let you of M legacy players playing for yeah. Montana state yep. and, and BD and, and, uh, uh, anyway, the, is it extra? No, no, it's no. uh, Deedon.
0: Oh, Deedon. And, yeah, and so
1: the, the, the frustrating the frustrating element is that they were, because of issues short and long term, I think were given the opportunity to go to Bozeman when, I, I'm not entirely sure what played out there in both cases, but I think in the one in the Beattie's case, uh, there was not mutual interest in the prior regime um from from what I've been told you know yeah. but you know that could be all just rumor and innuendo but the fact is is that you see those players who are you know Lady Grizz's legacy families and they're both playing for Montana State and in key positions and making key shots it does yeah. does hurt just a little bit oh yeah but they but they've been doing that like uh, and again I this is why I think Benford's the best coach in the conference at this point yeah. I don't know if anybody else but it that she's found a way with the personnel she has yeah, to take advantage of it, which is that it's bad, bear and white nightly and it does, they figured out a way to get them all advantages to get where they need to go and they score enough. And, you know, they're going to, I think at this point, I think they're, they're going to run away with the conference. And-
0: well, yeah, on well, this year, like I think last year, they kind of, they wore down and here's the standings they kind of you know uh darren white kind of wore down towards the tournament and you know when they got into the tournament this year they've been playing 10 9 10 even possibly 11 um ladies on the court which i think has been on purpose because they want to keep everybody fresh yeah which i think will bode well for them if they you know run the table at the conference tournament but just looking at these standings I don't see anything where you're going to get any change. Um, Montana state's probably going to uh, come out with this. You know, they're up two games. There's only three games left. Um, you've got Northern Arizona, 11 and five Sacramento state. Either they haven't played a game or what in the world? Why do they have one less game? Hmm. Interesting. It must have. Um, to have played, they might,
1: it? they might be one of those teams who had the, um, just the odd number. Of, odd number. Yeah. So, because huh. there's a couple of teams that are like that. Okay. Um, just in how the conference tournament played out. So most teams will play. Um, just on how the number of teams. I think there's one team that would only play two games. Oh, okay. On uh, the final weekend, I think just because of we don't have. Um, it's just how the calendar worked. Because I, okay. I know I think that's even the case on the men's side, yeah. Um, but any case, it, it, what's interesting is I think that uh, the U of M could be, finish anywhere between second and potentially like seventh, yeah. <laughs> and they don't have the easiest schedule, yeah. I mean, it's I mean they've got Sac State on the road, um, and then you know portland state who's probably the weakest of the three yeah and then they they do get idaho at home and they played terribly in moscow against moscow. them early on and yep. early on in the year um but you know it, it just for the same reason is that you sort of want to finish off the season going probably two and one probably get some uh
0: Probably probably a, thir-
1: a three or or a four a three or four, yeah. Whereas if they go one and two or oh and three, you know, then they're looking at you know potentially being anywhere between, like I said, between where they're at right now, fourth, and probably seventh, just yeah. because of how tightly packed that middle is.
0: And, I, and just looking at it, I don't think they're going to go oh and three. I think no. I think they'll. I, I think they'll beat Portland State. I think it'll be a closer game than. Um, what it was here, I think they beat in by like twenty something points, wasn't it, or thirty points? Yeah, here, I, I think they, you know, I think going into that Sac State game, because I think um, just going back to the, the um, game, you know, that'll be in Missoula. Um, I think that you, you know, that that one will be the decider of of those standings. Of are you going to be, you know, top four, top three? If you get that game against Sac State, you know, you're going to be in that top three, top four. Range, Um, and then you know Idaho just kind of is kind of leery because they're kind of a sneaky team. They haven't had that great of a year this year compared to their standards, but they are seven and eight, and they've kind of had had it going up until this point where they've kind of got it back to where they were. Yeah, like their stretch, their beginning of their year, they swept both Montana schools, and then they like lost. I think it was like six or six or seven straight games which is crazy to see that, that, that swing. Um, and so they haven't lost many games coming back into this and they've really got themselves back into this uh, conference, um, the standings. So it'll be really interesting. I hope, you know, that at least go two and one, I would love to yeah. see a, a three and O and, and finish strong, go into the, the conference tournament and make, and make some, make some noise. So.
1: Well, and I think the the difference between the men's side where I think there's, you know, probably two very clear, um, clear cut favorites. Yeah. It's Montana state. Yeah. And then a lot of anybody could win it. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm not convinced that Montana state is that much better than everybody. They no. just have probably the best garden, the conference. Yep. Yeah. And that helps. Yeah. Um, and I think that when it comes to that, you know it's hard not to bet on Montana State. to, You know, be the odds-on favorite to to win the women's tournament. But any any of the probably four or five teams below them, you know, if if things run right, yeah. Um, I like I like the totality of Nau's team. Yeah, I think they're deeper. Um, I think they're physically a hard matchup for anybody, um, and. If there's a team that's gonna cause Montana State problems, it'll be NAU.
0: Well, and that but, you know that just like makes me even think that, that that win that the Grizz got against NAU was even more impressive because that was an overtime win in yeah. Flagstaff. Like, yeah, which like is that's hard
1: to not do. Not an easy place to play.
0: No, no. And so you know, going into that and also kind of going off what you said, you know, Darren White. You know, I would rather play her on a neutral field or a neutral court than at home or something where she's right. comfortable at. Um, so it can that neutral feel, you know, even though I kind of like, you know, having the tournament back in the day, uh, where you know the number one seed got the tournament at their site, um, I, it kind of does lend it to, you know, it, the you know, barn door is open to anybody that, that, that kind of can get it going during that time. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what do, yeah, you, do I, you think that we can make a run here in the women' lady? Yeah, well, it to the and, tournament?
1: and I think it is for the, the reasons that we've cited is that, yeah. you know, I'm, I think when you look at it, we have probably two of the best freshmen players in the conference. Oh yeah. Um, and it's it's becoming increasingly clear that this this has all the feel of a lot of those uh, Selvig teams of the late 90s and early 2000s where you're like, oh, these people are going to be here and they're going to be really, really good Yeah. for a long chunk. That, that's what I feel with, uh, with both Koenig and Stump and, yeah. and then with what he's bringing in next year. You oh, know, yeah. Not to that's go the offing, but it, <laughs> what I think it lends to is that they are, they clearly have offensive skill. Yeah. And they can do it like we're better. This is, like I said, this has been a chronic problem for Lady Grizz basketball for 20 years. They've never been able to shoot from the perimeter. Yeah. And that's what got them back in the game on Saturday yep. is that they actually can shoot um, provided, you know, Sometimes it's you know you couldn't they couldn't hit water if they fell out a boat, but at the same point, it's clear that those freshmen, especially when they play with confidence, might be the X factor uh, yeah. because they're clearly good enough and it's just you know, can they limit like that that third quarter against Montana State where absolutely nothing went in, nothing went right. Yep. and they went from you know down a few to uh, down 12 to uh, 12 to 15 into the fourth quarter yeah this and is then but they will them the back in. but i think yeah. they're capable they can put 40 complete minutes together they're as good as anybody in the conference
0: well and if you look at this this team you know second and third quarter this whole year has been a problem you know yeah. they've start out first quarter really hot fourth quarter has been hot but those second and third quarters is where where those teams, you know, get them at, and if you look at just the box score of of the the brawl game, it, it, it is. It's it's that second quarter they shot twenty seven percent from field goal range, twenty five from three. Third quarter, thirty percent from field goal range, and you know they shot twenty percent from three point range, and then they storm back in the fourth quarter, shooting forty seven percent from the floor, but sixty percent from three point range. Yeah. Um, hit all their free throws, and, you know, they lose by, th- uh, what, two, 75-73, um, which, you know, good for them because it did not look like it was going to go well. And that second quarter, um, you know, it, 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 they shot bad, but it was still a game. And that was only a two-point g- game going into half. Uh, but it was that third quarter where, you know, Montana State outscores them 15-7. to and you know they've got to get catch up and yeah. you know it's it's kind of interesting I, it, you kind of look at that and you're say is that because they have such a young team um because you know they're relying a lot on Libby Stump and they're relying a lot on Mac uh Koenig and you know you know Gina even though she's a you know an older statesman, she's still coming back. I believe from an, a- isn't, wasn't it an ACL injury that she hadn't played for yeah. a year or so. Yeah. Or yeah. She had been out. And, and I think part
1: of the issue again, is that for as much of improved depth as that they have. Yeah. there's still probably a piece or two.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, from being really a complete, um, from, you know, from,
0: from bottom one
1: to down yep. to seven or eight on the bench. Yep. And I think that's where they struggle. Cause I, I think some nights it you'll get really, really good performances out of somebody like Burton Oliver or yep. um, either in a starting role or off the bench or um, a handful of others. And then you won't get anything from them for two or three games. Yeah. And I, and I think part of that, that issue is that some of this is a little bit matchup specific. Is that there are certain teams that they match up particularly well with yep. um and they and and others that they don't they don't match up particularly well with montana state and yeah. I think that's in part because we don't really have um a tried and true guard ball handler yeah. And Right now, I mean, Markson's played much, much better when she moved to that off-guard type position where she can play off of the wing a little bit more. Yeah. But, you know, it. we struggled in that second and third quarter bringing the ball up. We couldn't yeah. get into our offense. And, yeah. and so I think that's where you see some of those freshman issues of, you know, sometimes we're trying too hard and a lot of unforced errors, and I think that's where if they can stop those, you know, five to ten minute stretches of games where they just can't throw it in the ocean, and and on top of that, they make mistake after mistake and give a lot of second, you know, just all of those oh, yeah. types of things that have caused them. turnovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and a lot of that it's just. Not knowing, you know, the flow of the game and where to go with the ball, but when they are in flow,
0: they're a tough. Out. I
1: would. I, I. don't think they're a very easy team to defend when they're in flow. It's just, no. it's when they're not, they're really easy. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Well, last thoughts, Josh. I. You know, I. I think men wise. I. I think it's easy to get pessimistic about the fact that, you know, they lose, you know, two games to the cats inside of, you know,
0: a couple of, you know, two
1: minutes. I mean, yeah. it, yeah. I think it's easy to focus on it. And I think going forward, you, if you look at the totality of the last five or six games for the men, this is the best they played in, um, as a program, depth-wise, everything, getting good performances out of everybody. And it doesn't really matter. It just seems to be interchangeable pieces. And I think going forward, I think if you look at it, I wouldn't want to play them.
0: No, nope.
1: Because of two reasons. I think the first is that Saturday night was the first time that the Grizz, who once they got to 67, 68 points, had lost – Yep. And it was also the first game that they had given up over 65 or 66 points in the prior five – in almost clear almost two – almost a month. Yeah. And so – and that was even the – that was even the, uh, the blowout loss at Sac State. And mm-hmm. so I think they are clearly playing the type of defense that Travis wants them to play. And they're starting to find out ways to get – um better flow out of the offense and i think the real litmus test will be that sac state game
0: yeah uh, yep.
1: because they're a terrible matchup they're super long yeah. Yeah. um they play really good defense and if we come out and play better offensively against sac state i think you're going to look at a team that that potentially is as good as that upper tier but without the results.
0: Yeah, exactly. And if we get
1: the results, then obviously we're talking about a different story.
0: Well, and I just want a better game than what we had at Sac State because that yeah. game was just horrible. Seven um, levels of ugly. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that we, you know, going into this this conference tournament, these lost games, I, I wouldn't want to play the Lady Grizz or the men. True. Um I think they're they're both kind of in the same spot. You know, the Lady Grizz are kind of in a better position to – you know, with their schedule, with where they're at in the, the conference uh, standings. Um, but they're kind of in the same kind of boat. You know, I, I think the the Lady Grizz, they are a little bit younger than what we have. And I think that kind of bodes well for us going into that tournament. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think that this this week is going to be really important. And, yeah. and, and of course, it is because you've got three games. and um, But it'll be interesting to see what shuffles – I can expect, I I think something, one of the major four in the standings for men's basketball are going to lose a game that they shouldn't, right? And and that always happens in in the big sky is one of those powerhouses uh, that you think, oh, it it should probably just kind of stay the same, right? Eastern Montana, Weber State, Montana. You know, Weber State, I could see losing two, right? If that happens, hey, we could move up to three um but it'll be interesting to see what happens i can't wait to watch some basketball this weekend uh but yeah thanks josh again uh he is our main go-to guy for for basketball angel couldn't make it with us but uh appreciate josh coming on and yeah thanks for having me exactly uh grizz nation make sure that you rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts out you can find us there and also you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Fido Montana. Get a hold of us. We want to hear from you guys. And uh go Grizz, right?
1: Yep, absolutely.